welcome to Inside Sports Getting Goal podcast. This is episode 26, um, and we're on the eve of the World Cup. It's um, we're finally here, mate. Can't believe it. Yeah, I, I really can't. <laughs> but it means it means that the the program for the Rugby League World Cup is done, and that makes yes. me very very satisfied. Yes, that was a was it a labour of love or a labour of do extra work? It, it was a labour. <laughs> can't believe the World Cup's here. Was it's always to me like you know how you get the invite to a wedding, and it's six months or nine months time and you go oh yeah whatever that'd be fun but I'll just put it in the drawer and then all of a sudden the wedding gets here it's like this I reckon well I improvised my wedding in like in a matter of a month <laughs> you did because I mean, they make you do that but, you, you uh... took all the fun out of it didn't you <laughs> <laughs> very good um so on today's show are we one of the last podcasts going for rugby league are they all packed up full credit to the boys is Really? All, all finished up, yeah, they, they're on the off-season. They're not paying the proper respect to the, to the Rugby League World Cup. I know, this is serious. This is a More huge than a half-century-old institution. <laughs> it is. It found the trophy and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be talking about the World Cup, of course, um, and we're going to be uh, spruiking our work that we've had to do with it. because uh, <laughs> Had to do. Put together, we've done. Put together a pretty good program, so we're going to run you through that and... Uh, a range of other uh, issues, um, including your Twitter responses, which uh, were very, very funny this week. So we got some great ones. I'll it was keep... a good question. Yeah. I must, I must admit, that's <laughs> one, of your, one of your best ones. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so just before we get into the international stuff, there's some um, there's some domestic housekeeping to take care of. Um, so we've got a new a new character, mate, in the Cooper Cronk saga. Uh, Mitchell Pierce has come in overnight, or apparently overnight. And he's apparently really annoyed that Cooper Cronk might be coming to the Roosters and he's um, looking like shoving himself around and Manly appear to be a, a possible suitor. Um, like, you just hope that this, this ends sometime soon, don't you? It's getting a little bit, little bit boring. It's like, a little, it's like one of those HBO series that just keeps going and going, isn't it? <laughs> just when you think it's going to end, another part comes along and... Steals the show. Um, yeah, if you're a club out there, I mean, we we were actually doing this exercise, like nearing the end of the season, asking ourselves who, who needs who needs a playmaker, like who is going to be you know, yeah. kind of you know, kind of be the landing place for for Kronk or you know uh, who whoever Kronk might displace. Yeah. You know, I always thought the Roosters were an odd fit, considering you know how how seemingly satisfied they were with you know with their with their halves combo, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you don't ever turn down Kronk, right? So, uh, but uh, you only get one chance. Poor Mitchell Pierce, like a guy you know, who's you know, who's been with that club basically forever, won a you know, won a premiership with them. He's been uh, so many ups and downs. Hey, exactly. Yeah. And, and now it's going to be he's going to get moved along. You know, potentially get moved along for a guy who will only be there for a season or two. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's uh, I don't, it's interesting. Is it? Do you think it's is it a respect thing? Is it kind of a you know? Is it is it kind of Pierce saying you know I, I've been kind of the, the stalwart here. You know why aren't, why aren't I being paid? Then? Oh. You know that that respect. Yeah, exactly. And it's and the fact is, he's only twenty six. Mm. It's not as if he's thirty one mm-hmm. and been there and done that and been burnt out. He's still got so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. They want up both ways. The Roosters, don't they? They want to. When two years ago happened, when you know that off season Australia Day thing happened, he was public enemy number one, and and 
and, and he was lucky that the roosters held on to him. We'll give you one last chance, mate. And he redeemed himself so well. He's played so well throughout the whole year. Second question, though. Yeah, it deserves to stay, I reckon. Yeah, second question, though. Uh, is that, a, you know, in sports you see this, you know, semi-regularly, um, you know, is it, is it stupid? Is basically my question. You know, the, 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 this respect, this respect thing. Yeah. Like, you, know, you know, is it really, really should it? You're the big fan of. Here we you know, This is this is professional sport. It's a profession. Yep. You get yep. moved along. You know, it's it's just it's just a business decision. You take the money somewhere else. Yeah. But you know, a lot of times you see kind of particularly guys who are particularly credentialed. They do kind of want the respect above all else, and yeah. like, you know. And you know, this kind of is—I could see how Mitchell Pierce perceives this as, you know, um, yeah, as a bit kind of as a bit of a slap, you know, in the yeah. face to him for kind of what he's done in his career you know, for the club. So, yeah. but you know, in, in the main, yeah. is the, so yeah, you know. I'll, but I kind of. I'll circle back around to the question. Yeah. You know, is it stupid? Is it, should he just go find another club where yeah. they'll, they'll pay him a decent salary to play football? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the carry-on is a little bit... You're right. I do carry on a lot about professional side of things and how Australia isn't really ready for that. Mm. We're not there yet. We're, and I think it's got a lot to do with the amount of money that these blokes are on, which isn't all that much relatively compared to other um, sports people around the world. Like, there's, a great, there's a great scene in Moneyball where that trainee, in the, in the movie that is, because you're an officiato of, of the book, but in the, in the movie, um, Brad Pitt gets Jonah Hill to sack that, that uh, edge player. Mm. He calls him in, he says, you're playing, you're playing somewhere else now. And I, I get the feeling that, he, that the movement was so easy because this guy was probably on five, six million. Go and do your five or six million dollar salary somewhere else. But because it's because he's given so much to the club in a high contact sport, and he's probably only on eight, nine, a million a year. That's not a great deal of money. So there is that little bit of um, blood, sweat, and tears, and emotion, and and perceived connection involved. I'm just trying to dissect the. But yeah, it is like. I mean, if somebody told me to go and go away and, and work for another company and you're going to be on Mitchell Pierce's money mm. like relatively I would say okay I'll, it's been nice working with you I've still got a job I've still got a job in Sydney I won't even even have to move house see you later if you if you if you think somebody else is better than me and you want to bring them in and play them in my right. position then okay Right. That, that, that's that's a real boil down. I, I think that's where kind of I guess sports are different to kind of other kind of workplaces. Yeah. You know, these guys are so kind of like um, prideful and competitive. Definitely, that yeah. you know, no amount of money or no amount of you know, compensation will kind of you know, kind of um, salve their their egos when you know there's a yeah. sense that oh yeah we'll dispense with you because we think we can bring in. Yeah, something better. Um, you know, of course, there are circumstances where that doesn't apply. Maybe you're a bit older, and they're bringing yeah. in someone younger, uh, and, and uh, yeah, kind of, or like a succession plan, or, or so forth. Mm. But you know, I, I guess you know, uh, the idea struck me. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, when I was uh, doing a story on, on Ryan Hoffman, and um, he talked about kind of his time in England, and. Uh, 
uh, of course, some of that may have had to do with kind of the salary cap wrangling that, uh, that the storm had to do. But it was interesting to listen to Hoffie talk about it because he talked about it like, a, like he could have been a banker who was like, you know, taking kind of a secondment or something like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, he, uh, as, an expat, as an expat worker in, 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 some other, in some kind of foreign market. He did it because he thought it was an interesting kind of, yeah. uh, kind of work-life type experience. Yeah. But I don't think, yeah, I, you know, and, and the reason that struck me was because I don't think most sportsmen don't think that way. No. They really don't. Like, you know, they're, no. they're, they're out to compete. Uh, for, for most of them, they're out to compete. I mean, we, you and I, again, were just, just talking recently if, um, you know, if, if this New York club ever got off the ground, yep. do you think a lot of prime stars would go there just to, you know, kind of live in New York for a while, yeah. you, know, ba- you know, kind of give up maybe, you know, two or three years where they could be playing at the, the very best level of, of rugby league here in Australia? Yeah. Just because you know it would be cool to live, you know, kind of in the Big Apple for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, e- even though that me- that meant that would mean they're playing against what Division Three kind of league players from from England. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's a little bit sort of big fish, little pond, isn't mm, it? Yeah. You can take the money, mm-hmm. but this is who you're going to be playing against. You're going to be a big hero, mate, and take all that all that cash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a lot more complicated than than what it first looks. Will you? We we're just saying off air that we're going to make fun of this situation, but it is. <laughs> we got pretty deep just then. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of complicate lot of complications, isn't it? I, I think I think Mitchell should strike out for. I don't know. Um, Same money, but at a different club, or, no, yeah, or should he I, I, should he go I, up to the coaches and CEO's office and and bang on the door and say, "Look, what are we doing? What's going on?" See, to me, a roosters to manly segue is just sorry, other way around. Roosters to manly segue just yeah. strikes me as going from one fairly kind of well-off kind of Sydney club that nobody likes to another well-off <laughs> Sydney club that nobody likes. You know, I, I've always found it curious that that you know Pierce wasn't destined to end up you know kind of a, a dad's club so you know I don't know whether that you know, that's yeah, a thing but yeah. um, it would fit wouldn't it it would work it would be a great narrative yeah, for a guy who's in need of a, of a really good narrative yeah so, you know, but, but uh, yeah he's just had the, the best year of his career I reckon mm. okay he didn't win Origin um, <laughs> which is no different than any other <laughs> year of his career <laughs> and he got picked again and he didn't win again but yeah he got to, got his team into within one game of the grand final mm. Sorry, mate, we've got this other bloke. He plays down in Melbourne. Um, thing is, there's not going to be very much room in the cap if we put him on. Yeah, so you're, you're welcome to look elsewhere. <laughs> it, God, it's toxic, isn't it? To- well, it happens all the time, though, I know. As I said kind of maybe a couple of weeks ago, that if I were a league if I were kind of a, a league player who had, uh, who had his choice of playing anywhere in the world, I'd go play for Catalans. <laughs> he would. <laughs> go, he live would. In, go, li- go, go get paid to live in the south of France for a while. I, 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 can, I can hack that. Yeah. But then again, like I said, I don't think like, <laughs> I don't think like a, I don't think like a professional no. sportsman. <laughs> and, and, and Mitchell Pierce, to me, seems like a competitive animal. He's, yeah. just, he's got it in his eye, hasn't he? You can yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so that that'll be interesting. Um, and now, now we'll, we'll just uh, segue into the World Cup, and um, it it starts uh, Friday night. There's my list: yeah, Australia and England kicking off the tournament, fifteenth um, World Cup. Um, and on Saturday there are it's basically like an NRL round, except um, seven games instead of eight. So the next three weekends is going to be seven games. So on Saturday you've got PNG and Wales at Port Moresby, um, at Oil Search National Football Stadium, and then New Zealand and Samara at 6.10, uh, Auckland, um, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and Fiji, and USA at Townsville at 8.40. Then on Sunday, you've got Ireland and Italy, 
um, France and Lebanon and Scotland and Tonga. So, like, yeah, what terrific opening round. They've got it right, draw wise. Right. It's probably, yeah, it's about a solid kind of. You put the, the good stuff up front, get yeah. people excited for the tournament. I think that's a, 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 that's the best offering they could make. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, for the first weekend. Yeah, um, and normally for an NRL round, we go through each game and bore ourselves to tears about what we think is going to happen. <laughs> but uh, we thought we'd just pick out uh, one game each uh, for this opening round that really excites us. Um, and being an international tragic, I love the Australia-England match that's coming up on Friday night. It's, um, there, there aren't Australia and England, like you talk about the other, the so-called minnow nations not playing against each other. Australia doesn't play England enough and Australia doesn't play Great Britain enough. I think that is the backbone of the sport, the mm. two main dominant nations. Okay, New Zealand's there as well, but the two dominant nations testing themselves all the time. Like It, it used to happen a, a lot more and it doesn't anymore, and I think the two universes have drifted apart a little bit, especially yeah. the, the British part. Like they, they would benefit so much from playing more games against Australia. Like I, I wouldn't even mind seeing a, a mid-year Australian-England game. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I know it would involve travel for one of them, but yeah, just just to make more of a spectacle of of the the grand old whole battle and rivalry. So. Two things, two things really. The international game needs it needs kind of that fourth force to emerge. Whether that's yeah. it's most likely from the Pacific Island side. I'll basically say a Pacific nation has to emerge as the fourth force. Yeah. The, and the other thing would be that that England shows some vitality again yeah. because it's been a long while yeah. since you know they've been able to show anything kind of at the, at the top level. That said, you know, came very close in a semi-final against New Zealand, you know, the last time out. Oh, but um great game. I I would I'd say that I guess one thing that would really put a charge into this tournament, yep. I'm not kind of tipping my hand either way, but if England were to win this, you know, win this game, you win this game. Oh, it would be terrific. Yeah, and still um it kind of basically ambush Australia in, in, in the in the tournament opener. Yeah. I think it would really put a charge into the the entire World Cup. Um, yeah. However else uh, the however 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 else the uh, the tournament may play out. Um, yeah, if, if kind of you know it would be another thing that Wayne just did, wouldn't it? You know, if, <laughs> yeah. they, were, if they were to just kind of yes, just jag this upset in the in the very first game. But where else would there to be to to go if if they did if that did happen? Win win the whole thing. That's where they could go. Yeah, so, yeah. why not? <laughs> and, and if anyone's going to mentor a group of blokes to do something, it's going to be Wayne Bennett, isn't it? So, I, I think it's a good combination. I think blokes like James Graham, who really respect hmm. blokes like Wayne Bennett, and you've got Sean O'Loughlin, who really the, the the people playing for England, you can see that there's a real passion for that jumper. Mm-hmm. That's what I like, like above everything else. So. You do like that a lot of their. Yeah, a lot of their kind of they've they've got a core, particularly of tough players. Yeah, they do. Played a lot yeah. of NRL, who've played a lot of NRL. Yeah. I mean, as far as I see it, the, the question, and I think that this is the kind of the, the question that underlies almost all international kind of league is um, how well are the halves going to play? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because when you, you throw these teams together quite quickly, yeah. um, you know, they've kind of kind of got to get it right over a fairly con, uh, constrained time period. Yeah. If they get kind of good play from from Whitup and Gale, I mean that. Will, yeah. If they're in form, that that is going to dictate uh, a lot about how far they go. I, I get that sense. And hopefully they have had time to gel because they had last year's Four Nations. They had the mid-season Pacific Test, that uh, when they beat Samoa thirty to ten. Then they, they played a, a trial last week in Perth, and so here's the, the next game. So, and they've been training. All these squads have been together for two and a half weeks now. So that's what I really like about this tournament: the fact that you are going to see whatever game you watch, 
you are going to see two groups of players who have had quite a good preparation. It, it, it's, it's better than your classic five-day sort of preparation that the ANZAC test has. What yeah. chance would you give England of beating Australia? Um, I need to be... Oh, gosh. Realistically, not much, but... Do you see know. a potential you know, hammering on the cards? Could this just be one of the circumstances where the kangaroos you know, kind of come out and just you know, yeah. beat them 30 block? Yeah, they could. Yeah, all right. 30 or 40, unfortunately. Yeah. I hope so. I hope it doesn't happen. I'd, it'd be great to see England win. It'd be terrific. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I don't know. You, you, you have this conversation with yourself and with other people about how close the British game's getting to the Australian game, and um, but it just never seems to... To happen, does it? Doesn't it? I think. I think. What did you write somewhere that they hadn't won an England slash Great Britain hasn't won a tournament for twenty five or thirty five years or something? That's or, right. Yeah. 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 And it just never. It never seems to happen. It hasn't and, won a series in that, uh, against Australia in that uh, yeah, yeah in that length of time. Yeah. And Australia can afford to leave blokes like Blake Ferguson out of its backline. That's insane. He's a great rep player. Mm. So destructive, full of momentum. But yeah, Australia didn't need him. So so that's scary. But anyway. Um, um, I can't wait for that game. I, I, going down to it, can't wait to be a part of it. Great way to open the tournament. Um, yeah, and, and so what's your nomination, mate? What are you? What way well, are you going? I, I, just looking at you know, just pulling back and looking, you know, this at this tournament in the macro. I think what's going to shape this World Cup in in a, in a competitive sense is whatever happens in Group B. Group yep. B being, <clears throat> excuse me, New Zealand, Samoa, Scotland, and Tonga. Yep. So <clears throat> I think the, the widest range of outcomes in, in terms of like can be seen basically in that group. I think you know it's very realistic that New Zealand might finish second. Yeah. Probably not lower, but they could. And I think any of the other three teams could kind of finish either from from second to fourth. So I think that there will be a good side. I think that that fails to come out of that group. I think you know Do you there, there's Ireland? something. I mean, Scotland's the uh, number four team in that pool. Scotland's the number Scotland's four team, and they're, they're, they're rated the, the, you know, the fourth in the world <laughs> off the back of, you know, kind of a good season that they had last year. I mean, yeah. you, we may kind of laugh because there's not a lot of recognisable names to, uh, to Australian fans in that Scottish side, but, you know, and, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the roots of the game don't go very deep uh, in no. Scotland. But, um, you know... They've had the same coach for more than a dozen years. They've had that program together. Yep. Uh, yeah, they kind of get um, kind of their, their core group together. I mean, it's unfortunate that they don't have that little extra kick that you, you get from having kind of ex- experienced NRL guys that they've all kind of, for whatever reason, uh, have not been able to you know, kind of get into, the, get into this tournament. So, uh, you know, yep. Lachlan Coote, Kane Linnett, um, Peter Lachlan, Wallace, yeah. I think, all just yeah, just kind of claimed by the attrition of the season. So They would have been great for their experience, wouldn't they? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it just gives you, a, I think it gives a little extra. But Scotland is an honest-to-goodness team. Like, I think that's going to be, I mean, I, I would say, I, for my, uh, you asked me for kind of uh, my nomination of the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think the game that intrigues me most is Scotland-Tonga. Okay. Yeah, because I, I'll be intrigued to see kind of whether... Scotland is representative of that kind of side that we don't know a lot about, but they are an actual side, an honest to goodness side. Yeah. And what how they kind of what kind of shape they come down here in uh, will be interesting. And like Tonga is the one that's been attracting a lot of attention in the lead in for almost the exact opposite reason. They're a side that you know have had big names enter kind of the setup. Yep. So you know, like we we kind of anticipate that you know with the likes of Tamalolo and Fafita in the lineup, yeah. you know, yeah, they should be formidable. 
game. But you know, who's to say they'll actually you know function like a you know like a proper football side? You know, by you know by the time you know, they, they kick off. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's one of these things that tournaments themselves kind of develop their own reality once um, you know once they begin. So Definitely. if the momentum, if either side comes out and you know has a very strong first game and wins, then that becomes momentum, and yeah. then uh, you know they're. they're they're looking up at having you know having to play New Zealand and Samoa in later matches, which again will be will be difficult. But um, but uh, yeah, there it's not out of the possibility that that yeah that those sides could um, yeah could beat. I mean um, you know Scotland tied with New Zealand last year. Like, you know, yeah. Tonga would like it's you know has you know has beaten Samoa in the past. You know. Um, not as often, probably, as someone has beaten them, but you know, uh, we co- we're probably like their chances, kind of uh, against. Them. But it, it relates again to what I was saying uh, about, um, you know, kind of playmaking before with England. I mean, for all of what Tonga's got, and it's formidable, uh, they maybe do not have the equivalent talent, kind of in the halves. No. And by contrast, Scotland may have the best half of them in the field in their in their captain Danny Brooks. Yeah, so. yeah, and yeah, and there, uh, there was that um, disparaging. Uh, Result that uh, Scotland had against country under oh, twenty three. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, but then then that might actually speak to basically how they're you know, what what the kind of the the shape of the the you know kind of what state they're in, um, rather than what their form was last year. That might actually be kind of maybe they maybe they are a shambles, and we'll find that out on Sunday. Yeah, well, um, that side didn't have any of those big players in it. Danny Bruff wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. quite quite a number of players for a number of reasons were out. So. But yeah, it um, didn't get in the way of a good story, did it? It no. was was all look out. Scotland's stuffed um, ahead of this World Cup. Maybe we'll come back, yeah, in fifteen years' time and find out that that, that New South Wales under twenty three, country under twenty three, <laughs> or whatever it was, is like the core, the state of origin <laughs> yeah. side. You know, that, that's it, 15, isn't it? fifteen years from now. <laughs> you know. yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, I'll put that in a memory bank for fifteen years. I'm just hoping Scotland wins so that uh, that our, yeah, our boss, you know, we can kind of like you know, kind of who is Scottish, we can kind of you know, whose name is Kevin Ayres. Kevin Ayres, and he was um, putting crap on rugby league. Exactly. Yeah. So we can kind of yeah put it to him that uh, <laughs> plus you know the Bravehearts. It is the most rugby league thing in the world to yeah. call a Scottish side the Bravehearts. So. What was the other one? It was uh, Jamaica. The Jamaica Reggae Warriors. Reggae Warriors. That's, that's up there. <laughs> reggae Warriors is up there. Just get the most bland <laughs> mainstream image of a country and call them that. <laughs> Straying kangaroos. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> the Kiwis, uh, as you say, England doesn't have one, but they should be the Lions. It's a, it's a topic we've got to litigate. Why doesn't England have a team name? Yeah, they just... When we were putting this together, we were, kind of, we were assembling the team names, yep. and England doesn't have a team name. It's like the Australian cricket team doesn't have a team name. No, they don't. No. They're just too good. I, well, I I've, I've been lobbying to call the Australian cricket team the Baggy Greens yeah. for years. But then, but then you'd have all those issues over commercialisation of the baggy green. Oh, blah, God, blah, they blah. already do it. Yep. Uh, no, uh, England. We need a team name for England. Maybe that'll be our Twitter question for next week. Oh, great what idea. Do you, yeah, yeah, what do you, what, what, I need a submission from you, James. I'll put you on the spot. What should England's team name be? Um, the Wingers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the England... Um, See, are there even lions in England? Why are they always called the lions? Well, isn't that the Great Britain side? Yeah, yeah. But why, I don't get it. And that's a cricket team too. And that's the cricket team too. Now. I don't get so the, the lions. cricket team. The cricket team has claimed that identity. Yeah. And then you got the you got you got the Union kind of the Pan Union British side. Yeah. So um, what does England <clears> stand for? I don't know. The double decker buses, the London cabs. 
the lingers. <laughs> I don't know, like, like, like the, I, don't know. The, I don't know the tradies. The, you know, like you know, go back to like the the essential character of the guys who you know the rebels. Yeah, there you, you know. go. There yeah. you go. They were yeah, they were the original breakaways. Yeah, they should they should claim that identity. They should, shouldn't they? They actually invented rugby league, didn't they? And, yeah, we, we could we call them. Yeah, they they made the game, so they should. I, I agree with you. They should so have they, a team. So they, they don't need to have a team now. No, That's what you're saying. <laughs> should they? they should have a team now. Um, so should we move on to the magnificent piece of work that we've put together for? We, we, see, inside sport. James um, loves this 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 program. I'm, I'm James very, loves this program in a way that he's never loved the magazine before. <laughs> I'm very proud of this. <laughs> it's, it's the official rugby league world cup guide, powered by Inside Sport, and uh, basically we put this together in between editions and. Um, and then, Jeff, you, you, you've constructed a, a really, really, really good um, edition. Uh, in, in, so this is available. Well, don't attribute it to me. I mean, you know, you attribute it to the, to the team. I mean, to the team, yeah. At had... least we have, you know, you're, you're, you're much, just as even, I'd say, just as significant or even more significant input yeah, was... in putting this together. So, no, it's yeah. always fun when you put together a mag based on your, your passion. So, mm. yeah, and hopefully that comes through. Uh, it's available at, um, so the, the, rugby, the official rugby league, World Cup guide is available at all um, rugby league World Cup games, and, you, and there's also a link that we've been tweeting out that you can uh, order it, and it'll arrive in a couple of weeks. But if you basically, if you want a copy, you, you get one at the ground, and it's um, so yes, turn up, yeah, go go to games, yeah, that, that's it. That's that's the that's the James Smith credo. <laughs> that's how we're going to go, know. Go to matches <laughs> and buy, yeah. And if you want, it, it, there's lots of good stuff in Ten there. Ten bucks. You do, you don't even need to like you know. Yeah, you know, kind of like uh, if you if you have a ten dollar note, you're, you're perfectly covered. <laughs> it's not it's not that bad, is it? Like the, the price. That's oh, the price good. is very good. Yeah. So you got um, everything you need to know about the World Cup. There's a draw in the format in there. There's all the venues. Um, your essential guide to and Jeff put this together. He's um, put an essential guide to the sights and sounds, and it goes through each team's haka, doesn't it? That's basically uh, d- dumbing it right down. I know you, I know you don't like. That was a, that was a large element of it. Um, they're not called harkers. They're called their own things. And yeah. the Samoan harker, the Tongan harker, there's no that, such. Thing, I couldn't help so but notice that. Don't Channel, call it that. Channel Seven uh, on their kind of on their recent trip to Fiji for the trial match, the yeah. kangaroos trial match. They noted that uh, the Fijians no longer do um, do do uh, do a dance before that. They actually oh. sing a hymn. Oh, yeah. And they were all practicing the hymn. Yeah, that's going on. And that's the, yeah. that, that's a real thing. So I I, yeah. I, I pay that. I always really yeah, kind of really give that credit. Oh, but, mate, um, you've nailed it. But it's also you know also kind of a lot of fun things like uh, you know kind of um, yeah, that that Brad Fittler has to learn the Lebanese national anthem, <laughs> which is you know probably one of my favorite details of this World Cup. Uh, the reason why the USA Hawks changed their name from Tomahawks, yeah. the the enduring kind of significance of the number thirteen in French in French rugby, yeah, league. yeah, yeah, and then of course my favourite name in in uh, in the tournament and maybe in all of rugby league and way up there in in almost all the sport right now, star growth I mean. Which yeah. is just a fantastic he, name. He deserves an NRL contract just on that, doesn't he? I think so. Just, just give him one. I think so. Imagine that. Imagine. I that think he deserves to play for you know, Papua New Guinea. He didn't even make it for thirteen. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he must be injured. He must be. He's their fullback. They need him. Yeah. Um, and there's some there's some great um, individual um, features in here. One of them is written by Steve Mascord. It's like a helicopter view of 
of the, the World Cup. That's um, one I can fully recommend. He, I, yeah. uh, we asked him effectively to do his Steve Mascord thing and do kind of just a, 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 yeah, an overview, a 30,000-foot view of you know, kind of yeah. rugby league you know, on planet Earth in 2017. <laughs> yeah. And you know, this is a guy, I mean, his, his reputation is, is you know, kind of you know, the indispensable voice of, okay. of, of, the international, of international rugby league. And, Great to have him in there. Yeah, yeah. and you know, you know, he's got the shoe leather to prove it. Like, you know, he talks, he, he's, he used to go to matches, you know, in South Africa and Orlando, Florida, and, you know, and, you know go to the, Medita- the, the early Mediterranean Cup games between Lebanon and Italy out here in the, in the suburbs. So you know he's he's so passionate about yeah. it that you know it um, that you know it uh, I, I think it just gives you know, yeah kind of such credibility to you know kind of um, yeah to to the program and it um, yeah it's just it's just a fantastic read too yeah like for all those people who talk down kind of um, you know kind of international rugby league well all international sport had to start somewhere like they all didn't like start immediately big and so yeah, if yeah. you kind of just want to you know dispense with it and put it to the side it's never going to become what you no, know, it will hopefully yeah. become and it's almost kind of gotten to where it has in spite of not you know getting yeah. the you know kind of the um, you know, the love and attention it deserves but i think that's changing and i think the you know, the, the world cup can be a catalyst for you know kind of um for for more kind of uh, attention and uh, care for uh, for for this facet of the game, which I think I think you know, is, is something that yeah that we you know, would really do well to take you know, yeah yeah to devote some uh, effort to. I think that's that's the thing about the League World Cup. Mm. Okay, let's boil it down. Everybody knows it's not it's not like soccer or rugby or, or anything like that. Okay. Everybody knows that. What it is is a celebration of the game. Mm. It's getting NRL players to play for the, the nation that, of their heritage. And that's a good thing for league. It just goes to show that rugby league does, it, it does have its tentacles in all these uh, countries, even though that it's supposed to be a game that's only played in Sydney and Auckland and, and in the north of England. It's, well, like it's, it's completely incorrect. The yeah. fascinating thing I've found in putting this together is that um, <clears throat> the League World Cup has that has that dimension where at one end of it you have like guys who are like fully professional athletes like yep. you know, professional footballers as, as we know it in the modern context and at the far other end you've got guys who are you know kind of you know or basically living out the dream like yeah, kind definitely. of yeah, close to nearly maybe you know kind of you know, I don't want to call them kind of amateurs, but um, you know, or, or guys who are very new to the game, but who have incredibly interesting life stories. Yeah, you, know? you know, I've seen more than a couple of them come through so far about guys who you know served, you know, kind of in, in war zones. Yeah. You know, kind of U.S. players who served in the Marines. You know, kind of, you know, kind of Lebanese players from you know from Lebanon who have like you know through an amazing kind of like kind of you know kind of reverse process. Like it's almost like you know, they they emigrated to Australia and then kind of the culture from Australia you know, transmitted it you know, back into Lebanon. Isn't so, that interesting? Yeah, it's really they're really kind of interesting on the level of um, of like kind of bringing together the entire pyramid kind of of the game as opposed to say an elite level competition where basically everyone's a you know kind of a professional player yeah. who you know gets media attention every day of their lives so <laughs> yeah. you know it's you know i mean just for that alone and the, you know, beyond the mere fact of results is what makes this kind of you know kind of a very interesting event yeah for sure um what else have we got in here oh yeah a, um, a feature story on sean johnson and his responsibilities with the kiwi team um i was lucky enough to talk to james graham in a four-page interview what a terrific honor I've always liked him, but it was great to listen to him talk about growing up watching 
the kangaroo tours. Mm. Get, get, they like us. They get up early. Well, in, in the old days that they used to get up early, they used to watch uh, Great Britain and Australia out here, and it was fun to, fun for him to talk about it. That was yeah. a particularly recurring theme, wasn't it? That, yeah. You know, back in the eighties, before really State of Origin kind of hit full speed, that was it. I think it was more significant back then, and it was yeah. allowed. It, I think it was, a, you know, kind of allowed to waver slightly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess it's interesting for kind of kind of guys our age. We still do remember the significance of oh. yeah of, of kangaroo tours and, and things like that, and yeah even for myself just learning about demolition derby has just vaulted <laughs> that into a higher estimation. I couldn't let that pass. Demolition derby should be brought up in every dead in goal now from from this time forward. We could have an update if you like, um, an up- <laughs> a demo a demo derby update. Um, and what else what else is in there? Uh, we're going to get to Matt's story, but oh yeah, um, I had the pleasure of. Uh, Talking to the Gillaroos coach, Brad Donald, um, oh, just basically. Actually, just, you should you should kind of speak more to kind of what yeah what's going to happen with the Women's World Cup because I think there's a, there's a major development yeah at this at this in, yeah, in 2017. It's that, huge, that isn't it? Goes. For the first time, um, the women's tournament is, is going to be played alongside the men's. Um, so it'll it'll chime in halfway through the men's tournament, and there finally is going to be. Held, I hate the word curtain raiser, but it's going to be held before the men's final on Saturday, December two. There's going to be six. There'll be a six-team competition at Southern Cross Group Stadium at Cronulla, um, and it will, so there'll be the Jullaroos, uh, uh, Kiwi Ferns, PNG's Orchids, um, England. <laughs> I, I, I don't think even Cook the women's Islands. side have, have, have a name. Yeah, the Cook Islands and. Um, and Canada. Canada, yeah, and Canada. Canada is, fascinating Canada story. Canada is a, a team of rugby union players. We won't, we won't paper around that. <laughs> um, they, a team from Coromel, a women's team from Coromel here in, on the south coast, flew over and played some trial matches against them in the lead up to, to, um, to the Canada Ravens uh, World Cup campaign, which I thought was so fascinating. That's just one part of the world of rugby league helping another part. I thought that was. A cute story, and um, so we put together a base. Well, how, how many pages is it? Twelve, fourteen pages of, of of the Rugby League Women's World Cup in there, and lots to learn about the Australian ethos. Um, I'm flicking through the magazine as I'm talking, trying to find this quote that the Dillaroos coach had, and basically, it, it was basically along the lines of, in men's teams, if you have a dickhead. A lot of people will put up with him because he's good, or if, if he is good. In, in, but you never hear about those guys in rugby league. So, <laughs> no, no. So you know, plainly, plainly, this is a hypothetical. <laughs> Very sharp, mate. Very sharp. <laughs> uh, it, I feel like they have been too serious so far. I know. I mean, now's the time to you know kind of get. Uh, so, so his get, point get was. Sorry, you know what I should do? I should look up the contents of this uh, magazine. That we put I together. know where it is. Okay, know? beautiful. This is, this is, this is yeah. Um, there's an this is what happens when you're, you're, you're staring at flat plans, for, you know. That's <laughs> true, isn't it? All day long. Yeah. There you go. The, the quote, Boys might be more tolerant of a player who might step outside the team values if they can contribute to the team because of their performance. The women are different there. That just, to me, sums up the Dillaroos. It's like... I actually want to know what the next part of the statement is. Is basically say, what will the women do to somebody who's there? Oh, I assume they'll just ostracise them. They'll stop feeding them. They'll leave them on the side of the road, and the show will keep treat moving them on. like a, treat, treat them like a you know, player on the other team. You know, 
So they'll get the ball and they'll tackle them instead. <laughs> it's like you're tackling your own teammates. Truly right? um, ostracise them. Yeah. So and apart Shun from all that, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's an interview with Lottie in there. Um, Lottie Takiri, the Lottie, who seems to be forgetting basically what's happened at previous World Cups. <laughs> yeah, we had to do a bit of correcting there on his answers. I think Lottie, uh, I think Lottie decided to get confused with the Union World Cup. Yeah, Lottie doesn't know what game he's playing. <laughs> Poor Lottie, though. He he stepped in and, and filled the void in this magazine, didn't he? He did. We're, I, I, we're looking yeah. for somebody. I love, Lottie, I love Lottie. Lottie's great. Yeah. 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 Told a great story about um, that. Indeed, he did. Yeah. For, for just that alone, Lottie. Then you know, that yeah. was that was very valuable. Uh, about playing, uh, I think it was his international debut at the old Fiji, um, PNG Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they had guard dogs being held back by security people along the sideline so that the crowd wouldn't jump the fence. And he didn't want to move too close to the sideline because he was afraid of getting attacked by these guard dogs. <laughs> God, I love that story. That's great. Um, and, and of course, we go through um, each of the 14 uh, men's uh, World Cup teams. And there's just so much in there. Um, that there'll be a lot, a, a, a lot more that, that, that happens um, in a lot of areas that we haven't covered. But yeah, 116 pages. Um, if you see it at the uh, at the stands at these World Cup games, yeah, we, we thoroughly recommend that you that you grab a copy because it's um, a lot of people. I don't know how many emails you've got, Jeff, but a lot of people seem to be collecting these yeah. things. Yeah, and, no, I have gotten yeah, I have yeah. gotten those emails. It's been um, yeah. it's interesting how people kind of almost use it as a marker to remember yeah to remember the tournament. Like, Definitely, you know, it's, it becomes a thing where oh yeah, I remember. And, and I guess it comes from the fact that you know. It, World Cups in, in once every four years. In some cases, they've had breaks of eight years. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of a bit of a landmark for uh, for for people. And um, yeah, it, uh, sometimes you're just putting this together and it's work. And you know, I mean, it, uh, yeah. you can get consumed by it. But then you come to realize that yeah, it's significant to some people in terms of yeah, kind of their in the way they they're very fandom of the of the sport so that's yeah. you know it's kind of nice that you know i hope you know kind of we're uh, yeah kind of we're, we're we're a product that lives up to kind of <laughs> yeah their uh yeah kind of their previous their previous um kind of additions in their collections i think we've done well there mate yeah. um and it's just as a bit of a bit of a segue uh matt cleary has also written a story about restoring the pride matt Malininga, Malininga's rise campaign um so yeah, you can read all about that. Not not too much about Sam Thiday in there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or Andrew Fafita. <laughs> yeah. um, so moving on then to our um, November edition. Yes. November, yes. November 2017. Out today, uh, I yep. believe, isn't it? Oh, um, oh, it's been out for a week. Oh, it's been out for a week. Yeah, it was last yeah, week. Yeah, last oh, week. Jeez, okay. Yeah, that's. I right. really am losing track of time. <laughs> Cameron Smith on the cover, but yeah. So the segue part was. Matt has written a brilliant, brilliant piece on uh, Code Wars. And he, basically his question is, why do we have Code Wars? Um, <laughs> <laughs> why do we have them? Like, and, and Sorry, his, other, his sort of secondary question from that is, why can't footy fans like more than one code? Why does it always have to be if league gets a small crowd and AFL gets a big crowd next day, why... Why does there have to be this seismic shift in um, fans apparently dumping one sport for another? It just just doesn't work. Um, and I, I like he, he he handled this really intelligently, Matt. In that he 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 watches this sort of stuff 
with a real keen eye, doesn't he? He's really interested in human movement and human reactions, mm. and especially media reactions to it. And he has a real go at the media, which is, a, if you follow our sort of ilk on Twitter, it's um, the media doing all this, isn't it? Mm. Basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, Matt, Matt comes from kind of an interesting type of background on this. He grew up in Canberra. and I've often described Canberra as, as one of the, the DMZs, one of the demilitarized zones of the Cold Wars. You know, genuinely, um, to grow up in Canberra kind of in the 70s and 80s as he did yeah. and through the 90s was, was really, you would have gotten exposure to almost every cut. Yeah. Like, you know, Canberra, you know, going back far enough was, you know, some people might not know, was an AFL town. Then, you know, um, the Raiders kind of came in. Um, yeah, and kind of took over for, for quite a while because that was such a compelling team, the Meninga Daily kind of uh, yeah, yeah. era teams. But there was also uh, room for people like the Cannons and those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, you, know, you know, football has always been, soccer has always been yeah. strong there. I mean, and yeah. they, they, the first pro team in the town was an NSL side. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And what then, were they called? The Cosmos? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Or Canberra City, I believe it was okay. called. Yeah. Um, then you had, you know, Union has always been strong kind of in the schools, in, in the private schools as, as here in Sydney. And then it, when they kind of, when the Brumbies came along, they really kind of tapped into that. Uh, so, you know, you... Every code had kind of had a bit of uh, of, of the town there. It, it never kind of reached this kind of um, you know this mass where just one code became predominant. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of people come in and out of Canberra. Yep. Like you know, you get kind of you know, locals, sure, but you know, you know, just you know, because of the the political sorting of the town, or you know, say you serve in in, in, in Foreign service or the military, you generally, you know, you do have a large proportion of southern staters in Canberra who, are, who you know, who, who are more you know, given to AFL or say the So, or you know, you have um, uh, locals there who, you know, kind of, strictly speaking, it is probably more kind of yeah, league union or rugby code territory. Yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a long way of saying that. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the the, the kind of the the, the kind of the background that Matt kind of brought to the story, like I think he genuinely questions why, you know, um, why why can't you just like more than one? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, and yeah. that's and that's really, um, you know, one of the voices that you, you hear in the story is that of Simon Hill, which might be a bit curious because anyone who's been involved in these things on Twitter knows that that Simon Simon Hill is is, is a you know is a stone cold you know kind of, kind of code warrior, you know, a very passionate kind of defender of um, of football soccer. Uh, who has, you know, said some kind of fairly salty things in the past about the, re- you know, why Australians don't love soccer the way it's loved in the rest of the world? But you know, I mean, Matt got him to, you know, kind of speak, kind of, you know, uh, kind of got to, got him to pull back and, and look at, you know, kind of the entire topic very intelligently. I think Simon's uh, kind of point in the whole piece, which is very smart, is that. Um, when you have like someone attacking your game, I think the instinct to defend it is, is very, very powerful. And uh, I don't. I think you, know, you can lump leagues into that you know, very, oh. you know, very, very easily because you know, painted one hundred percent with those yeah. colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and and as I keep referring to, a lot of this is media driven. Um, and, I'm and not sure. I, like, you know, I, I mean, I think you know that um, that of, of course media always seeks out conflict because you know yeah, constructing yeah. things around conflict. One of the core values of you know kind of writing a story is you know is constructing around conflict so that people understand. I think you know. But where else? There's do a lot get? of people on social media who are not you know who are not who are not media who are not journalists oh. who are who are very very you know, who are very kind of very ardent about kind of you know why their code is better than yours so yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. i don't think it's 
I don't think it's maybe media is the accelerant, but I think the the partisan nature out there goes well beyond what yeah. I mean, if the media stopped talking about it tomorrow, I still think you'd get kind of yeah, kind of nasty barbs going back and forth about. Do you reckon? Oh yeah. Do you reckon if 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 the major papers got together and said, okay, not that this is ever going to happen because I know how newspapers sell and all that kind of thing. If they said, okay, we're going to have a, a, about a month here where let's just let's just go full on promoting every every sort of sport we can. Every single sport you read about is going to be positive. It's going to be this this player's doing this this um, sport got this crowd. Blah blah blah. Do you, I reckon a lot of the tw- the venom that's on Twitter would disappear. I reckon no, everyone, I, I reckon everyone would settle into their own little. Uh, it's it's media driven. I entirely no, I entirely disagree. I think what's gone, what, what's happened now is, you know, I, I don't deny that you know a, a lot of a lot of it is catalyzed by by the media because you know, and kind of discrete incidents of it. So, for example, like. When you know the NRL one one weekend of the NRL final series outdraws the AFL, yep. and they, they make a story out of that, and that becomes a news cycle. Now, now that is a media you know, fabrication that I that, that I can agree with. But so is but, it's also my, media fabrication when it pisses down rain mm, for a Roosters game and there's five thousand yeah. people. Nobody turns up and they say the game's in crisis. But I, I would actually argue that you know there's something more to it because and the reason I'd say that is that I think the difference between now and say maybe kind of the sports following culture of 20 years ago, 30 years ago is because we're far more of a national market now and then what happens is I think our codes kind of get in each other's way and they get in each other's way in in in, in a way that is vastly different to kind of like the sport that maybe you or I grew up with. Definitely. Like, you know, when I, I grew up in South Australia, there was no rugby league. No. Like, you know, you couldn't follow the NRL or the NSWRL at all. No. So, you know, trying to challenge kind of like, like you know, there was no Cold War because there was, you know, there was there was no challenge whatsoever. Why did you have to, exactly, why yeah. did you have to worry, what was it for Aussie rules to worry about rugby league at the time? There was no challenge. No challenge at all, and yeah. all the seasons were self-contained. Like you know, yep. cricket and tennis were in the summer, February, and, and you know, and um, and uh, you know, kind of the footy cards were in were in winter. But then you know, you've had this phenomenon where the A League and the NBL has to have to carve out kind of the summer series <laughs> yeah. into summer series to get attention, and, but, then, and I have to do that before the BBL arrives. Exactly, because that's now, the thing that squashes everything. Yeah. Cricket's dabbling in kind of league, you know, in kind of like small L league style kind of you know domestic. Competitions, so oh, I loved it when. Know. Sorry, just to interrupt. I loved it when Souths and the Giants combined. It was about three quarters of the way through the season. Mm. If you went to the Giants game, yeah. you got a free ticket to the Rabbitohs game that's on the, this later later that night, and it exploded everybody's minds. It's like, yeah. whoa, what's happening here? And so, okay, what what they're doing is they're taking advantage of both fan bases, which is really good. Yeah. It's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that was a point I guess eventually was made in the story by by David Hill, who I think yeah. is one of the really kind of wise old men of you know, sorry to call him old, Dave, if you're listening, um, <laughs> of Australian sport, and a guy who has real credibility on a lot of different sides of the fence because you know he was he was a rugby league club president, he ran soccer in Australia, he um, he kind of is a guy who gave a lot of money to the AFL as the head of the ABC. Um, yeah, uh, and and he made the point that you know you, you do have fans who are, who are who are fans of more than one. Yeah. But he also kind of in um, in kind of toning down the code war, he also made a fairly significant point. And you know, as you you know, here's a, here's another kind of you say that you know the code war is a media creation. Yep. 
I do think there is a genuine code, and I can agree with that to a, to a, to, a, to an extent. But here's the where the true code war probably lies is the fact that these sports are in competition with each other for commercial dollars. Yeah, and that's probably the truest kind of flashpoint of the code. Whereas they never used to be. No, they didn't. Yeah, and it, you know, the, yeah. the, the problem is the market, the Australian market is still relatively small. 23 million, 23 million people. Yeah. Um, you know, only so much you know, to show on, you know, kind of airtime you know, to, to show on TV. Definitely. Um, yeah, our, when you're talking league and AFL, you're, you're just really talking about domestic sports. This is why kind of it's interesting that the, that league probably should make more of an effort with its international. Has to kind of you know go back into inter, international outreach if it's want to think in terms want to think in terms of uh, future growth. Yep. But um, yeah, there. So there is a contest going on in, in every boardroom that they have to go into. That you know, can you credibly you know present to a you know to a potential corporate sponsor? Yeah. You know, yeah. This is kind of us and you know this is the amount of the country we can we we can reach to and you know i mean that kind of good publicity is probably you know kind of uh, is probably salient in 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 terms of in terms of the cover but on a fan level and what what that means for the fans i'm not so sure i mean uh you know do fans really care if you know? I mean, your, you know, the TV ratings for your sport is more, you know, are better than you know than the other. I mean, the people who, who I collude with do, but I get your point. Mm. Does mum and dad living out in a suburb of Parramatta really really care about what? How many people watch their game on TV? They don't care. They actually went to the game and and they took the kids and everything and spent a bunch of money and their team won and they went home and went to bed. Like, I get your point. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately. If you kind of really thought deeply about the question, I guess you care how well your sport is run to the extent that will it continue to basically run the way I want it you know, in the future? For you know, like because and that's with everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I mean, like we in the media pay a lot of attention to whatever kind of head office is doing or what this club chairman is doing. Maybe a lot of clubs, unless that's your club, of course, uh, yeah, maybe don't care about that. But I think they do care about the fact that. Yeah, the competition is bringing in enough money that it can remain a 16-team comp from yep. now into the future. I mean, once you, you well, basically say that, oh, you know, the comp is not run well, so South has to be kicked out of the competition, <laughs> yeah. that's when people are going to start caring. Yeah. So, you know, that's... Um, yeah. did, you, did you want to tell your story you were going to tell me? I'll tell you. Oh, um, I think, yeah. I mean, this is... Um, I kind of... It was... Uh, it's kind of interesting, and I think this kind of... Uh, places kind of the whole Cold War narrative in context. So I wanted to, I, I, wanted yeah. to talk about before yeah. we escape from yeah, it. Sure, yeah. I, have, I have an uncle who um, moved from uh, from the west of Sydney to, down to, to kind of. He bought a farm. It sounds like he's died, but he bought. <laughs> he literally, he literally bought a farm. He bought a farm down in uh, down in South Australia, in, you know, just outside of Adelaide. If he had bought and a zoo, they would have made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, anyway. Yeah, there we go. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, but he. Um, yeah, he was visiting Sydney kind of recently, and I caught up with him. And, and you know, knowing that I kind of work in sport, he was asking me, you know, if, if you know, kind of, if rugby league was in trouble, just out of the blue, apropos of nothing, is rugby league in trouble? And I, I kind of asked, you know, kind of, why do you think that? Now, this is a, by way of explanation, this is a guy who's not really partial to any kind of, um, any kind of football code. I wouldn't describe him as a footy fan in any, in any regard, but I do think probably, I don't know whether it's by osmosis or or, or something else. Uh, because of AFL's dominance in, in South Australia, like you know, he kind of he kind of got into his head. Maybe a friend told him that you know that the NRL was in trouble, and the answer I tried to give him was that you know if you kind of consider kind of rugby league in isolation, 
just on its own merits. And you make this point very forcefully and well, I think. You know, compared to say 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the game's doing um, is doing okay. Like you know, still brings in you know, you know, scads of money. Like it still commands a lot of attention. It still has a lot of kind of popular support, yep. kind of within uh, in, in in the in the areas where it is popular in Sydney and uh, in Sydney and Brisbane. Uh, crowds, I, I think the you know that crowds issue is, is one. The crowds have been flat for 15 years, which yeah. I, you know is problematic. But you know, there are a lot of that's that's a multi-factor type of thing, and it says to it speaks to kind of maybe kind of like kind of logistics in Sydney and also um, the number of teams in Sydney and also stadium policy in Sydney, so infrastructure. So, um, But I think the one thing that is, is different from, from kind of from now to possibly when my, my uncle was like living, because he lived here okay. in, yeah. the, in that NS, late NSWRL heyday of the 80s, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, to put a term on it, Winf- that Winfield Cup era. <laughs> You know, I think the thing that kind of uh, is different, kind of, kind of in his kind of in his sphere, yep. his consciousness from from uh, from now to then, is that you know, as I kind of made the point before, he's very conscious of the fact that he's not comparing league to itself, but league to AFL to cricket to to any number of other kind of entertainment, not even just sporting options, but entertainment options, mm-hmm. kind of uh, in in uh, in the world now. So and when you're kind of being held up against that standard, rather than merely where my sport was and, and kind of where it has progressed to now, yeah, that's um, that is what kind of causes this this narrative of, of you know kind of why you know kind of league is is perhaps struggling. Yeah, but, um, yeah. You know, but then you kind of trip into that danger of you know you re- you, you kind of kind of tiptoe into that danger of, you know, when does perception become reality? If you get enough people saying, oh, the league's in trouble, when does that actually, when do you actually yeah. start, you know, kind of, and, and that's not... And that's, a lot of people do argue that yeah, it is reality. Yeah, it? and it's not, yeah. yeah, it's not kind of that, the cry, the hashtag crisis narrative that, you know, that, you know, we're so familiar with, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it really is a thing where, you know, if, and this is the question I always kind of put to kind of, you know, kind of people when I talk kind of about league, I mean, if... You know that perception will become pervasive enough that you're going to top corporates in the country and saying, "Well, we'd rather go with AFL first because we think AFL is a bigger sport." Even if it may, may not even be that, but if they think it is, does that then become a problem? Yeah. So and, yeah, and the answer is yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. Yeah. Well, well, well said, mate. I, I wanted you to um, talk about that because you brought it up before we started uh, recording. So yeah, that's that's terrific. Um, shall we? Just about wrap up um, here, mate, or, or do you want to? Should we talk about some uh, Twitter responses that we got? Yes, indeed. Yeah. But you have to, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the que- you have to actually explain what the question was. The, this week's question, last week's was um, your favourite kangaroo tour memories, and I've uh, got a massive response to that. Our best ever. Uh, this week's is what's your favourite NRL conspiracy? All right, James, um, come on. I don't, I don't know what triggered this, but I, I just got really angry yesterday, and, and so I pumped it out on Twitter and got some great responses. To, to start off with, were you my... angry at a conspiracy being being kind of levied against you, or what was why why were you angry at? You know, oh, I saw, uh, I saw something. Why there. did anger become conspiracy? Uh, <laughs> are you trying to get are you trying to get me to explain what happens in my brain? Is that is that what you're trying to do? I don't know. Maybe maybe, con- know. maybe conspiracy is the thing that makes you angry. I don't. Know. I just don't know why anger automatically can you know. Yeah, kind of connects to conspiracy. Yeah, me neither. We'll have to edit this part out. <laughs> um, so your favourite conspiracies? Just for for example, um, my favourite two conspiracies are uh, in uh, Ken Arthurson's reign. 
he had a bat phone. I just have this thing in my in my head of him having a red phone over on one side of the desk, and whenever he wanted to, he could call it up, and straight on the other end of the line was the Manly Sea Eagles Club, and Manly had this secret um, telephone sort of communication direct line to head office. Whenever Manly wanted um, the NSW Ariel um, conceded and, and they accommodated them. I, I loved that. It just because Manly was was running the game. Um, it just they were basically the Brisbane Broncos back in their day, and they had all the power. There's actually one, one, someone's response actually goes a long way to backing this up, so I better be careful. <laughs> and, and my other one is um, that the referees are on the take from the NRL. I love that one. I, I love. Aren't they on the take? Does the NRL pay them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> NRL pays a match payment, They pay them, but they don't pay them to fix results. Right. Um, I, lo- I love. Don't they, by definition, fix results by calling penalties? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they yeah they do, mate. They fix yeah. games in, in the sense that you know the games require fixing. Otherwise, you know, a game with you have a game without rules. <laughs> fix results. Um, God, we're getting dangerous, aren't we? My conspiracy. My, I'll just throw in my favorite conspiracy because yeah, yeah, yeah. I truly want to hear it. And this is, you know, this is not so much a specific one, but you know, yeah, one that yeah. kind of is of, of a form. Uh, oh, these are NRL conspiracies. Yeah, of course, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, every year, uh, the idea that Origin Two yeah. is always tilted against the team that won Game One. Beautiful. Because the the idea that they want to keep the series live, that yep. Channel Nine wants the series live by the time they get to the third game. So yeah. the referee in particular is is you know is just told to put the, you know maybe not yeah love it yeah but put the thumb on the scale a bit in terms of what gets called and what doesn't get called uh, yes and funnily enough it's always a bit more it's always a bit more energetic when it's New South Wales who are one game up yeah, in the yeah, series isn't it? East. yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. I mean there's there's always there's always those those kinds of outcries and the other one oh sorry the other one is um, uh, Queenslanders getting. Um, rough deals at the, at the judiciary around origin time. <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Conspiracy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what was the other one? What were you going to no, say? No, that's the, I mean, the only other element I was going to explain, uh, I was going to say about that one is, this is more of a micro one, which I think you can see in all forms of the game. Yep. I always wonder that, you know, whenever you see, and it's not really a conspiracy, it's more of a, just a more of a kind of a, bi- a kind of a, kind of a bias of the mind, mental yeah. bias, you know, that operates within referees. Whenever they start a game and have given like three or four or five penalties to one side, even if those penalties are entirely justified, yeah. you can be dead certain on the next set that whistle's going to go for the <laughs> other team. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what they do. I have seen... It's another good one. Is it the could, crowd being the influencer? Uh, yeah, I could yeah. not believe once that, you know, there was one... And it wasn't even like one side was racking up a lead in the penalty count. Like Phil Gould, you know, flat called it. Said, oh, yeah, you this like is the time. kind of set that they you will hear the whistle blown. It's just that time in the match where the referee will blow his and whistle. And he's watched enough footy and, to you know, know. And you know, yeah. three tackles. This, this is even before the team picked up the ball for the you know they even got the you know the you know, kind of started um, the run back. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. He said, "Just this is going to be the kind of set where you know it was about minute twelve, minute fifteen. It was probably you know. about seventeen meters up the field. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, yeah, we all sure know enough, that. three tackles later, bam, whistle. <laughs> it, it just it happens. It is it is almost like the natural rhythm of the match. Yeah, it's r- rhythm of the match. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Mm. Uh, Karate Warrior Two. He's one of my mates on oh, Twitter. Yes, yes. Um, he's one of his conspiracies. He's Mitchell Moses." played badly to ensure his early release to Parramatta. <laughs> then he's cheekily gone, oh, wait, you didn't want the truth, just a conspiracy, <laughs> lol. So Karate Warrior 2, his address is, um, and he's also given us another one, um, Newcastle players uh, ruled out of the World Cup duties 
did so of their own volition and not that of the coaching staff. Hashtag conspiracy. I think he's um, is he having a dig at Newcastle's representation in the World Cup there? Are there, are there any players in the World yeah, Cup? Yeah. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. Oh. Peter Matute, Herman SASA, he's headed there. <laughs> you know, I, mean, he's, he's so a, I, I understand where he's coming from. I yeah, yeah, exactly. Tata yeah. Moga was held out. Um, who else? There was, um, there was at least one. I've got one other guy in mind, but... Um, Chris Hyington, who's headed there, is going to play for England. So, there you go. You know, okay, I mean, there's another one. Yeah. yeah. No, he's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah. Still Sports just said 1978. Oh, that's a good okay. one. That's a good the, one. The, what he means by 1978 is Manly's um, semi-final replay win over Parramatta. Um, the first game was tied, 13-all. Greg Hartley's in control. Oh, this God. is Greg Hartley <laughs> of the famous woman running under the field and giving it to him yeah. at Leichhardt Oval from a few weeks back. Manly had three seven-tackle sets. <laughs> Parramatta had three five-tackle set sets. So no conspiracy there. Like, can you believe that? Can you believe that happened today? Whoa, the whole... The referee would be sacked. The referee management would be sacked. And the referee and the building that the referees did their whole operations in would be demolished, I reckon. Mm. It would be... <laughs> I love that. I love his... Uh, I, love it. I, love, I love the fact that he just drops the bomb... 1978, that was his response. I love it. Uh, Mike M, um, apparently the Gold Coast Titans fudge their crowd figures. So. That's not a conspiracy. And his other one. Unless that leads to something. What are they conspiring to do? But, you know. To uh, get more game. Conspiring to stay in the league? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially in today's environment. Um, and his other one is... The artist who painted the mural of the Bulldogs' best in the leagues, sorry, Bulldogs' best in the league club, incorrectly painted Steve Gearin and not Steve Fox. Again, not a conspiracy unless he was trying to get Steve Gearin into something about Steve Fox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I, I like the fact that thousands of Bulldogs fans walk past that mural and just say one in ten looks at it and goes, um, "Should have been Steve Gearin." <laughs> that's, I think that's where he's coming from. Ah, I'm with you. Okay, yeah. okay, no, no, that is a conspiracy. Did you know that okay. that was supposed to be? Yeah. The, All right, good. Uh, 99 grand final says Ben, uh, Ben Searle. So that was the whole um, how it was won. You know, penalty try, penalty eight point try, whatever it was. Mm. Uh, saw Melbourne beat the Dragons. Uh, Andrew refers to a conspiracy that East have a salary cap. Oh, that's a, that's a really unfair conspiracy. That one. That East have a salary cap, <laughs> <laughs> but he just. March along from there. Good on Andrew. And, <laughs> and the last one, Mr. Brown. He's a very cheeky person on Twitter. Uh, one of the more obvious ones is that referees go to the video more often, more Ooh, often than needed. Oh, I love to, that one. To meet the KFC quota. <laughs> that's, that's a great story about um, uh, Jamie <laughs> Soward uh, in, in a Penrith game. Sort of the, the, the ref's gone to the video and he could pick up Jamie Soward telling the referee. Oh, you, it's, it's chicken time, isn't it? It's chicken time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that developed into a saying, oh, chicken time. <sighs> and we'll just um, end the whole episode on this. Um, Mr Brown's other conspiracy was that the Wally Lewis statue outside Suncorp isn't the original statue. The original was damaged in the revamp years back. <laughs> That's what a thing to think about. <laughs> <laughs> that would keep somebody up at night, wouldn't it? Well, it's like, Wally, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not the real statue. Great, great responses, everyone. Thanks so much. That was terrific. Uh, what was your What was your suggestion for next week's one? Um, England team yeah, name for England. A team, yeah, that, that's great. We've got to We've got to do that. Well, um, so there you go. There's an early uh, 
early cursor for um, for, for next week's show. Um, you got any, anything else? No. Look, yep. Just looking forward to uh, looking forward to the start of the World Cup. Yeah, bring it on. All right, thanks very much, guys. Thank you.